welcome back to Sip and Spin. My name is Skylar, and over here in a cute little romper is Brittany. Hello! We are a variety podcast where we talk about anything, everything, and nothing. Mostly nothing. Mostly nothing, Love. although <laughs> today I, I wish we were talking about nothing. It would be nice to be talking about nothing, but no. We have a serious, heavy topic this week. Yes, so this week we are talking about true crime again, so... I think that makes it our front runner for topics. Yeah, because we've done it three, three times. times now. So, we are not a true crime podcast, but our wheel is trying to make us one. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're into true crime, well, I guess, I guess we're for, for you. you. <laughs> but what are we drinking? So, we spun the wheel and we got Skylar's Choice. So we are drinking Vodka Sprites. Yeah. Which is just vodka and Sprite. <laughs> yeah, and I watched her make them. Um, there's... Lots of vodka. <laughs> I like vodka, and I don't measure when I do anything, so I just like... It's like that vine where she goes, two shots of vodka, and then she glug, 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 glug. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, that happened in my kitchen, like, five minutes ago. I was like, what kind of glass do you want? She's like, a big one. She's like, alright. I was like, we're gonna need it to get through this. We are. Cheers. Cheers. I mean, hey, you texted me while we were doing... Um, while we were trying to pick out our individual cases, and you were like, are you there, vodka? You sent that gift, I was like, are you there, vodka? So, she's I here. I, I brought her. I needed vodka. <laughs> what do you yeah. think? Do you like it? I mean, it's just a vodka sprite. There's nothing special to it. <laughs> it but... really tastes like anything. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it drinks real easy. Uh, it's my go-to hard liquor, but like, make it light. Yeah. Because like, that last weekend when I got really hungover on Friday night... And then went out again on Saturday night. I just drank vodka sprites instead of like going crazy because yeah. I was just like, I don't want to drink too much, but I still kind of want to get like, have fun. So yeah. I had some vodka sprites because they're like light and go down easy and don't make me nauseous because there's no sugar. There you go. A 21 and over tip. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to drink. <laughs> Any other business? or non-business before we start. No, I think I pretty much told you everything before we started recording. Yeah. Brittany was like, can we start so I can drink? I was like, oh, right. Yeah, because I had already started drinking while I was just talking to her about, like, the shows I had watched and stuff, and I was just still drinking. She was like, we're not supposed to drink until we record. I was like, oh, yeah, I always forget. Skylar's usually the one to break that rule. <laughs> it's happened every week. <laughs> Except for, like, the first, I think the first and second week were the only weeks I, like, held out. Yeah. Ever since then, I stopped caring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll try, I'll do better next week, guys, I swear. <laughs> Guess we'll just jump right in. Yep, I've got my Todoroki stress ball, I'm ready. <laughs> so, my case... So, my case is one I have literally never heard of before. It took me completely by surprise because of how dark it is. Mm -hmm. And kind of like we joke about, we do 97% of the podcasts we listen to are true crime related. And so, we've heard a lot of murder cases and true crime cases. I have not heard about this a single time. And I came upon it in a really roundabout way, um, actually through TikTok. It was in a comments on another TikTok video, like completely unrelated. And I was like, what is this? Because of the title of it. And I was like, how have I never heard about this? Mm -hmm. I must know. So that sent me on an internet search. And so I just want to go ahead and do a disclaimer now. I saw varying reports on certain details. And I'm going to try to point it out. But it is, because of the people involved in this case, the quote unquote bad guys 
don't are very tight-lipped they don't want to say anything about it and the one person who did come forward is very very young mm. and so the police don't for one didn't release a lot of info and it's like where where people stretch the lie so i want to just preface everything by saying that because i did see various like differing accounts mm-hmm. but i'm just gonna try to talk about it all um i think though for the most case this is correct what i have but if you know something else or i miss something uh just definitely let me know and i will correct it but we'll go ahead i'll do trigger warnings for murder rape sex work torture just all around bad things like i said a really young person is involved um mm-hmm. so if that age is also something that triggers you keep that into account so this case is known as the Hello Kitty murder case. And with oh. a title like that, I was like, how have I not heard about this? Because that is what this case is known as. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that either. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm not alone because I was like, what? And then I looked into it and I was like, what? So let's go. Take a drink. Okay. Do I need to pull out the crochet or will I be fine with just the stress ball? No, I think you'll be okay. It's just, it's just very unpleasant. And I'm going to try my best with these names also. Um, so forgive me for that. Mochi's got some feelings. So in Hong Kong, in May 1999, a 14-year-old girl who was known only as Ah Fong, which is most likely a pseudonym given by the courts because of her young age, because she was 14 at the time, she went to the police and told the officers that for the past several weeks, she'd been constantly plagued by the ghost of a woman who had been bound by electrical wire and tortured to death. So basically, this young girl, she went to the police and she was like, there's a ghost torturing me. I can't rest. I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. She just isn't letting me. The police were like, okay, you're a child. You're going crazy. We don't believe you. You're probably into drugs. They, you know, ran her name. She does run around with a rough crowd. She ran away from home. She's got into like drugs and stuff they're like you were probably on a drug trip then which is which is fair yeah like because i probably if you told me you were being tortured by a ghost (laughs) i'd be like what drugs are you on Brittany?" okay Brittany. (laughs) but then the young girl told them something they weren't expecting she told them that this ghost that was plaguing her um was someone she had helped murder what so oh, now, so this is like Telltale Heart, like Edgar Allan Poe type shit. Yes. So now they were interested. <laughs> yeah, here's the heartbeat. <laughs> so they were like, okay, crazy child, please leave. But she's like, no, but I helped murder her. And they were like, oh, well, <laughs> backtrack. Now we have to look into this. As they should, <laughs> yeah. as you should always do. Um, they followed the child back to this flat in the city's rundown Kowloon district. I'm not sure if I said that right. It looks like Kowloon. Kowloon? Okay. Um, At least that's what I think. Granted, I could be wrong, but I that's what I think. I have no idea, yeah. And I tried to, like, watch a couple of videos, and no one ever talked about that part of it. This was just what I found in an article. So, like I said, varying accounts on this. Where they uh, discovered very real nightmares. Inside the flat, they found it was, like, decrepit. It was gross. I There are pictures. I will post some on the Instagram, so do take an account. I'm going to make Skylar look at them, but... Oh. If that is something you can't handle, uh, which I don't blame you because uh, just keep that in mind. And also, if you're like, wow, I've never heard of this case, I'm going to look into it. Be careful because you will accidentally stumble upon a lot of unpleasant pictures very easily with this case. So please keep that in mind. But it was decrepit. It was run down. It was bizarrely full of Hello Kitty memorabilia, like just on the sheets, stationary, just Hello Kitty everywhere. But it was like decrepit and gross and abandoned and so it was very haunting 
and creepy for that reason. Inside the flat, they also found an oversized mermaid Hello Kitty doll with the capitated skull of a woman sewn inside. What the f- What? <laughs> Skylar just stared at me with her mouth open for a really long time. <laughs> this is a very icky case. Yeah, I've got decapitated body parts too. So yeah. This isn't great. So... This is gonna be rough. I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm done. Can we end the podcast now? Can we quit? <laughs> We're over. So yeah, uh, which I. I have a photo of this doll also that I'll show you. Not with the head inside, please. Well, you don't see the head, but okay. it's okay. the doll doesn't look good. Um, so, yeah, so they found her skull in the Hello Kitty doll. Henceforth, this case became known as the Hello Kitty murder and was regarded throughout Hong Kong as one of the most approved crimes in memory. Makes sense. <clears throat> I understand why. And you might be able to help me with this name also. Uh, the skull belonged to a 23-year-old woman by the name of um, Fon Man Yi. Oh, that looks right. Fon okay. Man Yi. <clears throat> Fon Man Yi. And as if being murdered wasn't bad enough, many news sources that I read claimed that her life um, was really tragic even before this happened to her. There's not a whole lot of details, but what I do know is that as a child, she was abandoned by her family and she was raised in a girl's home. I don't know if she was abandoned due to the family circumstances, if they just simply didn't want a child. It doesn't go any further into she was abandoned. She was raised in a girl's home. Mm -hmm. That's all I know. By the time she was a teenager, she had developed a pretty severe drug addiction and she was turning to sex work to pay for her drug habit. Really common with young people in those circumstances. It's very sad, but that is what was happening with her. In 1996, uh, she had almost found happiness. Uh, she even got married and had a son. But this relationship was rocky. They were both addicted to drugs, and their neighbors constantly complained about sounds of domestic abuse Aww. coming from their apartment. As far as I know... Nothing happened to her son. Her son is completely fine. Um, but just what looked like a silver lining in her life, it turned out that wasn't even the case. Yeah, it just turned for out this to be poor just girl. As bad. Yeah. So, like I said, all that was going on. When she was 23, she got a job as a nightclub hostess, uh, but she was still also battling addiction. I saw hostess, I saw waitress. I don't think it means what we think it means in America, though. Um, mm -hmm. I think it still is very much in sex work and, like, in that kind of club. She mm. was a hostess, you know. While working at this nightclub, she met 34-year-old Chan Men Lok. They bonded when they discovered they could use each other. Um, he happened to be a pimp and a drug dealer. He was very rich. Um, soon, he became a regular of um, Fon Men Yi for, you know what goes down in those nightclubs. She was alone with him a lot, doing whatever they did. They did drugs together. He would pay her with drugs. He'd pay her with money, et cetera, et cetera. He became a regular along with some of his henchmen. Chan Men. saying he did not treat her as well as the pimp for... <laughs> for in... my other case. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this pimp was not a good pimp. Oh, no. Um, so... Uh, I forget where I was going on my train of thought. Oh, um, Chaman Lok, he was a member of the triad. He was like a pretty high up member, which for the most part, what I could tell is um, like a pretty well-known gang ranking in Hong Kong. Hmm. So he was one of the upper people. And then he had like two henchmen who were with him a lot. Mm -hmm. And they would frequent this nightclub. And like I said, he had a lot of money because 
of all of that stuff. Uh, this was in early 1997 when they met. And then later on in 1997, after they were fairly well acquainted, uh, he was her regular, like they spent a lot of time, she got really desperate um, one day and she stole his wallet oh. while they were like alone together. Mm-hmm. And so he knew it was her. Yeah. And he figured it out pretty quickly. He figured out where he was, who it was. What amounted to, like, in U.S. dollars, it was about $2,600 is what she got away with. Like I said, he noticed it. He, like, enlisted his two henchmen, um, Long Xing Cho and Long Wei Lun, to kidnap her. And they took her to this, like, rundown apartment. And what they were going to do is they were essentially going to make their own private brothel and pimp her out to pay back what she stole plus interest. So he wanted at least $4,000 plus another 10000 And this is where a lot of the details get a little weird. So mm-hmm. I saw that she did pay the 4000 and she even paid the 10000 But the, even then he was like, it's not enough for $2,000, remind yeah, you. For a wealthy pimp in the mob. I think it was more of just a, you don't steal from me type of thing. Yeah, it was more ego. about the ego and the pride <laughs> of... Yeah, so I saw that, and then I saw that she did pay the 4000 but then she couldn't do the 10000 So I mm. saw two different accounts on that, so I'm not entirely sure on the exact money details. But from what I gathered, she did pay back the original plus sum, but then either way, it wasn't enough for in his mind. So well, I mean, it could honestly be either one, because yeah. the fragile male ego, and then plus if she didn't pay back what he wanted, I mean, it could be either one. Like I said, um, he's... Like, mafia members, they're they're not letting anything go from no. their own mouths. So that's why it's all a little speculation. Um, but anyway, so they kidnapped her. She was working in this brothel. Um, and then they would get, um, they would get bored and they would beat her a lot mm. at the place. And what happened was they eventually ended up beating her and bruising her too much to where they couldn't use her for money. No clients wanted her because they were beating the shit out of her, essentially. Mm. And they're like we're not going to pay you for sex. And so then they were like, well, then what the fuck do we do with her? Maybe just stop beating her. I don't... (laughs) What? Yeah, so, um, like I said, that plan got out of hand. And so the three men came to the conclusion that she couldn't go back into prostitution. Um, It wasn't good enough anymore. She wasn't good enough. They couldn't just let her go. So they began just torturing her on the reg and holding her hostage. Hmm. They tied her up and beat her regularly for over a month they inflicted various torture horrors upon her from burning her skin raping her and even forcing her to eat human feces oh my god and that is um a caveat here i'm that's all i'm gonna say right now but i do have a quote that goes into a lot more details later about the specific torture so if you want to skip that part, I will try to make a note when it happens. Can I skip that part? No, you can't. No! <laughs> so yes, she's being held hostage. It's horrible. These three men are being horrible to her. That's all bad in and of itself, uh, but bringing the even more horribleness into it, um, we got to go back to that 14-year-old girl from the beginning. At this time, she is only 13. This young girl, um, who we only know as Ah Fong, was the quote-unquote girlfriend of Chan Man Lok. Didn't you say he was 35? 37. 37? Oh my god, no, no! But most people think girlfriend is a loose term and that she was most likely one of his prostitutes. 
sadly. S- still. Yes. It doesn't She's make 37. it. She's 13. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real bad. Um, and like I said, I never knew, I didn't know anything about this case. And the more I got into it, the more I was like, oh, this is worse than I thought. Oh, this is worse than I thought. I was like, I'm gonna do a quick, short, light episode. I'm so sorry, guys. But I feel like it needs to be told. <laughs> She's getting out her crochet. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so while she did end up going to the police and reporting the crime, um, this young child was in fact another torturer. Um, and she was there for pretty much all of it. So the whole month. One time when Afong was visiting the trio of men um, in the apartment, she witnessed uh, Menlock kick um, Fawn 50 times in the head. Afong joined in then, hitting... Um, in the head herself. She told the court many details about the abuse. Um, she, As I said, she was there for most of it. Here is the details she said about the torture. So, fair warning now. Skip the next, oh, like, minute or two if you're not into that. I'm not into that. <laughs> so, the group tied her up and took off her shoes. Using plastic straws, they began melting the plastic onto Fawn's feet, causing blistering. They did this for several hours before getting bored. Then they began holding the flame to her already blistered feet. Oh my god. Um, chili oil, which is vegetable oil infused with different chili peppers, was so, then poured into her blisters, wounds, and eyes. What were you about to say? I'm just going to talk about how that's, <laughs> like, it's it's not comfort. It's hot, and yeah. but it's not comfortable. And it, mm. Yeah, it's, it's not comfortable, no. Each night when the gang slept... They would hang her up by her feet from a hook attached to the ceiling. When the morning came, they would beat Fawn with iron bars and a detached water pipe. They would again use the chili oil to maximize her pain. Oh, God. When she would drift out of consciousness, they would stop and play video games. Disgusting. They threw oyster sauce in her face and eyes, made her drink motor oil. They began urinating in her mouth and beat her senseless if she dared to spit it out. She was not fed or given any water. Like I said, she was like here for this. a whole month. Um, I don't like this at all. Uh, Afong told the police that once um, she, Afong, defecated into a shoebox and forced Fawn to eat it. So this 13-year-old girl did that. Mm-hmm. The police, and that's that's the extent that I have, um, the police did not release any more uh, details about the torture inflict- inflicted by Afong personally, as it was part of her plea deal. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is assumed that it was fairly extensive. When asked about the torture details, Afong said, I had a feeling it was for fun. What? Yeah. Granted, she was 13, and she was really young, and she was probably one of his prostitutes, and he was a mafia member. She was probably scared of this man, Mm -hmm. in all honesty. He was probably, like, emotionally manipulating her. Oh, yeah. Like, mentally, still, it sucks. Yeah, it's... It's still bad, um, and, you know, even at 13, you probably should know right from wrong, but like I said, she was probably forced. Yeah, being abused herself as well. Um, but that, I, I, yeah, I didn't love that quote. I had a feeling it was for fun. It's just, it kind of gives you, like, chill vibes. It's heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I got the like, heebie-jeebies. Oof. I messed up my crochet. <laughs> I made it too loose. I'm sorry. You're good. <laughs> I just, I need to have something here. <laughs> so after this horrid month of torture, I guess they they got bored. She was unconscious and they left to go eat. The four of them did. Mm-hmm. So Afong and the three men. And every time they would leave, they would lock um, Fawn up in the bathroom so that 
she couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she was, at this point, it's been a month. She's not running away anywhere, probably, because she physically can't, I'd imagine. Like I said, Afong said they weren't feeding her or giving her any water. Um, just, you know, defecation and urine was all she was getting, for the mm-hmm. most part, it seemed. So I doubt she was able to fight too much at that point. But they still yeah. locked her up. They returned, and Afong went into the bathroom, and she found that Fan Man Yi had died in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I got mixed up on the names. But yeah, yeah see, there's I'm, a lot. Of, I'm trying my best. I'm with it. I'm, um, I'm caught up. And it, I, I don't have a lot of details on this part, but it was mentioned a couple of times, and I'm going to mention it just in case it is true, and it's very odd. And if anyone knows a lot more about decomp, let me know. Uh, it seems that Fawn was oozing a thick orange substance from her mm-hmm. body. No other information on it. Just that's what Afong and them found, and they were, like, freaking out. Okay. Uh, so that happened. I, I can't, for the life of me, think of what that could have been, unless she was just so poorly taken care of that that was what her body had turned into. I, I don't know. Yeah I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm not science. I'm not either. So if you know, uh, I, please let me know. So Chan Men Lok and the two other men argued that she had died from an overdose of meth that she had administered herself. Um... And I, my question is, how did she do that? And how does she have access to that? And further note, her, she was still, I think, married to her husband at that time. And he even testified in court that she had given up drugs when she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, like, she still was, like, addiction's always there, but she was not currently using. Yeah. And especially, I don't think, meth. But that was their defense, was that she OD'd on meth. And it's like... But she was locked in a... Oh, whatever. Yeah, she didn't have access to meth to OD on. Either way, most experts believe it was her injuries that they inflicted that led to her death, which I would think so too. Unfortunately, though, there is no way to know for sure, because after discovering that she had died, the men moved her body to the apartment's bathtub and dismembered her with a handsaw. They then cooked pieces of her body to stop her from decomposing and releasing the smell of rotting flesh. They boiled her body pieces and then disposed of them in the garbage. I also read that they did this on the same stove and like right next to their pot of boiling noodles that they were making and they even used the same utensils. Like it, it was very bad. It, it hurt. It was very gross. Um, so I didn't go into a lot of details about that. I have a weak just, stomach for it. It was very icky. I don't go into any more details about that. But her head though, they saved... As I mentioned in the beginning, they boiled it on the stove like the other pieces, and then they sewed her skull into an oversized Hello Kitty mermaid doll. They also kept uh, a tooth and several internal organs that they stored in a plastic bag for some reason, but, you know, murderers always like their trophies. Yeah. That's the details on that. Given how disturbing the story was, many people thought it was fake or very greatly um, over-exaggerated. But upon following Afong to the apartment, the evidence the police found was very disturbing and very damning. They found that the apartment, like I said, that she had been portrayed and killed in was full of the Hello Kitty memorabilia, from the sheets and curtains to towels and silverware. That's never really explained yeah, why. Yeah, like, I wonder why they had that in the first place. And my head went to a really dark place, and it's like, well, if they I have was, young girls as young as that, that was my... Afong, that's why I was like, mm, that's probably has something to do with the sex work and young children and I didn't want to go there too much but that's my thought on it just to make them like feel more comfortable so it's icky either way um the Barty part trophies um that they that I mentioned they had kept they also found those when the police searched it they had all evidence 
all the things that they found had evidence that the three men had interacted with them. So that is how they were able to be like, you, like, even though they claimed they didn't kill her, they mm-hmm. had touched these body parts. They yeah. had dismembered her body. Yeah. And, and that was very evident. So, which is great. Like, killers keep keeping your fucking trophies. It gets you caught every time. Yeah. It's great. Unfortunately, though, due to the state of Fanman Yi's remaining parts, the police and medical examiners were unable to determine a precise cause of death. It was evident that she had experienced indescribable torture and that the three men were the cause of much of the damage to her body, but there was no way to tell whether a drug overdose or the torture was to blame. (laughs) You just crip-shaved your hair. I did. As a result, and I said, take a drink, um, the three men were convicted of manslaughter and not murder. The fuck? Yeah. I almost spit my drink out. (laughs) Why would you tell me to take a drink at that point? Because it's really bad. And I was like, oh my god, take a drink. Oh, I'm pissed. What the fuck? Mm. The jury believed that though they had caused her death, death was not the intent. No, just horrible torture and rape and making forcing her into prostitution. I'm but s- not death. No. That's too harsh. They're nice guys. Like, how can you even, after everything that they did to her and what they put her through, how could you be like, death wasn't the intention? I, or even if death wasn't the intention, after everything they put her they through, still are, it's still bad. It's still not, what? the? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it really pissed me off. The trio was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 20 years, a.k.a. 2020, last year. Did they get paroled? I searched and searched, and I could not find any news on these three men. I did see some people speculating that the leader most likely probably won't get parole because he is a known mafia leader, Mm -hmm. but then at that point, it's also like, maybe the mafia could get him out. You never know, but people do think that the two henchmen that helped him, they most likely might or might have already gotten out on parole. What the fuck? Which they still willingly did all this shit and it's still very scary um yeah those men should not be allowed to be on the street knowing what they willingly did to and like i said i searched and i searched i didn't see any i don't know if like covid stuff put a halt to it so i guess at any time now we could be hearing news on this Mm -hmm. um which is another reason i kind of wanted to talk about it because i never heard of it before and it is kind of relevant to right now given that petition to sign I nothing I like I said this case it's so hard to find it. I found like two articles. I used talkmurder.com and all things interesting. Mm-hmm. And everything else was just like the wiki. It was just like very vague. It was it was very hard to find information on this case. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to be like keeping an eye out to see if I see anything about the parole, but I really really hope they don't get it. Um they don't deserve it. Her son, though, I do have a little bit of news on him. He is currently a student in Singapore, and while he obviously doesn't really remember his mother, um, he was two when she was murdered, mm-hmm. he does wear one of her necklaces every day that the police gave him. Aww. Yeah. It's just very sweet and sad, and it's, I it kind of rushed through, that's all I have on this case, mm-hmm. I rushed through it a lot, like I said, because there's not a lot, and it's also really bad. Um, there were more details about 
some of the torture and stuff, but I didn't feel the need to go into it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they don't release a lot about the young girl, but we don't even know her real name, most likely. Um, I'm not really sure what's up with her, because like I said, she was 13 when all this happened, and yeah. she was 14 when she reported it. They're going to probably keep her hidden. Yeah. Um, and... Like I said, a lot of it is speculation, but I do, I really do question the jury's sentencing. Yeah, that's... (laughs) And, like, and I think I was read in court that the three men were, they, they're claiming she did, she died from a drug overdose, and that they were scared, and they freaked out, and so they panic dismembered her. Yeah, because that's a total normal panic response. Because they didn't want to get in trouble, and I'm like, but you still, you, you hand-sawed a body and boiled it and sewed it into a Hello Kitty doll. Like, I don't, they're like, oh my god. And I also read that in prison, they did get um, psychiatric evaluations and they were all three found completely sane, just sociopaths. They didn't care. They had no remorse. Naturally. And that is the horrible Hello Kitty murder case. Um, That was Brittany. Why did she make me go through that? I'm very sorry. Um, There's the Hello Kitty doll. I know. There's the apartment. And there's beautiful font. Oh no. Yeah. Um, So like I said, if it is, it's a horrible, it's an interesting case. If you do want to look into it a little bit more yourself, like I said, just be careful. The pictures are disturbing and I didn't even show, there's one where you can see a fridge full of her cut up body. I didn't show you that one. Thank you. I wouldn't have liked that. So just be careful. It's very easy to stumble upon those photos. But I felt like it needed to be told um, because I'd never heard of it and Mm -hmm. um, Fawn deserves so much better. Yeah. I mean, it's good that you told it because, yeah, I'd never heard of it and she deserves proper justice instead of whatever the... Yeah, and I swear to God, if they get out on parole, I gave her... I hate all justice systems. I know. I they didn't think death was the intent. It was nothing good, regardless. Yeah, just because the intent wasn't death doesn't mean she was still they held, still need to tortured, be and raped. Like, yeah, it's. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Skylar. You should be. <laughs> I didn't want to do your true crime. I'm like aggressively crocheting right now. She is. I'm going to be talking about a serial killer. Um. So. The way we figured out our cases was, I was like, so do you know what you're going to do? Because I have like a couple ideas. I'll try and pick one that's not similar to you. And she was like, oh, I have one where it's just like one victim. And I was like, well, oh, well, then I'll do a serial killer one. And I started doing research for this for this one thing. I was going to do the truck stop killer. Okay. Robert Rhodes. Yeah. Turns out he was not a serial killer. He was just a suspected serial killer, but a serial rapist. So I was like, well, now I got to start over. So I was going to do the other one that I had, which is the toy box killer, but none of his, like, it was never proven that he, like, because when it, when I looked it up, it was like murders, zero. He was a suspected serial killer because they can only prove him to the girl that escaped. But I thought but, she watched videos of people he murdered. There was like, I, I don't know how they couldn't prove it, but oh like. Oh my God, that's a fucked up case. And I'm kind of glad you didn't do that one, but that is a really important one. Yeah, I, I may talk about it eventually. But... Yeah, the toy box one is one that gets me. Yeah, it, it, it fucked me up when I heard it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I finally did find a serial killer to talk about. Finally. <laughs> After I spent all of Saturday night and doing research 
could have done either of those other two. You didn't have to pick a serial killer. But I told you I was going to, so I stuck to it. Well, I told you mine was lighter and fine, and it, it didn't end up being that way. <laughs> I already lied on the current events episode. I said I was going to do light, fun YouTube drama. Well, so I we're, do- li- we're liars. Um, hi, it's fine. I'm an Aquarius. I don't know how to tell the truth. I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> Welcome. So today I'm going to be talking about Joel Rifkin or Joel the Ripper. Okay. Which I thought I had never heard of him until for some reason the fact that he had a younger sister named Jan. I was like, oh, I've heard about this case before. But that was the only fact I remembered was that Joel had a younger sister named Jan. That was it. Okay, I don't know yet if I know it, so I'll just have to listen, yeah. I guess. Okay, so I'm going to set the scene. Okay. On June 28th, 1993, state troopers Deborah Spagarin and Sean Rain noticed a pickup driving erratically while they were patrolling the Southern State Parkway. As they got closer, they noticed the truck did not have a license plate, and so they turned on their lights and was going to pull them over, but he ignored them and just kept going. So it turned into a chase. Okay. It started off as a low-speed chase, which was going like 35 miles per hour before but eventually turned into a high-speed one at 90 miles per hour. Oh. It lasted for about 30 minutes until the driver crashed into a utility pole in Manola, New York, and that utility pole also happened to be right in front of the courthouse where he would stand trial for what was discovered. (laughs) Okay. The driver was 34-year-old Joel Rifkin. So, Joel Rifkin was born on January 20th, 1959, to two young college students who knew they weren't going to be able to properly take care of a child, so they gave him up for adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was adopted by an upper-middle-class Long Island couple, Ben and Jeannie Rifkin, on February 14th, 1959, when he was three weeks old. So, normal. That's good. Yeah. Adoption, right? Yeah. Okay. They were fine parents. Okay. okay. Yeah. He was living, he had a good life, like, as far so as his family like life goes. So this is like a nurture versus nature type of thing, kind of? Sort of. We'll get to how what happened in school. Ah, cool. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Much like the serial killer I did. Yep, school. Fuck yep. him over. So Ben Rifkin was a structural engineer, and Jeannie was a homemaker who enjoyed gardening. Oh, she loved to garden. Um, when Joel was three, the couple adopted their second child, a baby girl named Jan. And, yeah, for some reason, that was the only fact I remembered. Like, when I was like, I was like, wait a minute, I do know this case after I read that he had a sister named Jan. And I was like, why did I? That's funny. Yeah, so far, I still am not sure if I know this. So, they lived in East Meadow, New York, um, which was a community of just upper-class middle families. It was very picture-perfect, like the kind of neighborhood you'd see on TV. Right. Like, it was just, like, a suburban La, 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 la. Yeah. They'd have barbecues. There would be wine coolers and beer and right, right, a swimming right. pool. The kids were all friends. Classic Americana. Yeah. yeah. And the Rifkins did fit in perfectly. Ben and Jeannie were very involved in the community, the school board, and Ben was even on the board of trustees for a landmark that was the public library. And there was there was nothing particularly outstanding about Joel as a child. He was a seemingly nice, same. normal child who just had some trouble making friends because he was shy. And I was like, same, same. <laughs> um, <laughs> But when he got to school, he did perform really poorly, despite the fact that he had a 128 IQ, which is, like, slightly above average, if I remember correctly. I think, like, 118 is average. So, yeah. so he was, like, a little bit above average. Which 
kind of fits with the serial killer. Yeah. For a lot of them. Yeah. Um, They're very smart. But then again, IQ testing is not accurate at Yeah. All. It true. doesn't test, like, different types of intelligence. It tests, like, but that, that's 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 a psychology episode. So we won't get into <laughs> that. That's Skylar <laughs> We won't get into that. The, the, the IQ testing is... is entirely different thing if i talk talk about the types of intelligence like i said i would that one time we'll do that (laughs) i'll i'll hit on why it's inaccurate but anyways he did perform poorly despite his 128 iq but that was because of his undiagnosed dyslexia um and he was also very uncoordinated so he didn't do very well in sports and he was worried about disappointing his father because his father was a structural engineer so he's very smart his father like also played sports like and he kind of wanted to be like him and was worried about disappointing him but he was smart and like we'll see that later because everything he did was like clinical and planned yeah um which is always the scariest thing yeah i think is when they're smart charm and smart i'm like oh god yeah yeah And in middle school, it was even harder for him to make friends. He was always shy, but, like, the fact that he still wasn't really able to make friends also made him insecure. He always stood hunched over, and then that paired with his, like, long face and the fact that he wore glasses made him a target for bullying because kids are mean. Yeah, kids are the worst. Kids are mean. In high school, things would continue to get worse. Mm. (laughs) Great. He was a target for bullying still, and even people who he was, like, somewhat close to were giving up on him. Like, he spent most of his time alone in his room, and the only time anyone would try to coax him out of there was to pull pranks on him. They would throw eggs at him, pants him in front of girls, or stick his head in a toilet. Wow. Joel tried to join the track team, but like we said, he was uncoordinated and accident prone. I'm really trying not to feel for this kid, but I'm like... When you're a kid, it's so hard. Yeah. It's like what they always say on Morbid. Like, feel bad for the kid, but not the adult who did the murder. When you have a choice and you realize, and you should realize, nothing at school matters. (laughs) Yeah, like, I thought school was, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, seriously. Because it was always, like, the pressure I would put on myself to, like, be social. I for that, too. Be be friends with everybody. Everybody needed to like me. I couldn't be disliked by anyone. And if someone disliked me, it like ruined my life. And like, I always had to get good grades, even if it meant getting no sleep. And like, and then you're like, you, once you're done, you're like, why the fuck did I do that to myself? Oh my God. I put so much pressure on myself to get good grades because I had this whole thing. Like I am a failure as a human if I do not get good grades. And then I went to like art school and it was like, fuck good grades. What are you doing? And I was like, oh, right. I just need to be myself and creative. It was like, because I would always, like, (sighs) when you grow up in elementary school as a gifted kid, you get put in the gifted classes. You're reading on a 12.9 reading level in the third grade and doing math at a 12.9 level in the third grade. And so everyone expects you to always do, get all A's and be, like, at the top of your class until you get to 12th grade and everyone is reading on a 12.9 reading level and doing math at a 12.9 level. And you're like struggling and then you get, you don't get rewarded for getting, for getting good grades. You just get punished for getting bad grades because why be rewarded for what's expected of you? And that's kind of how I was because I was expected to get good grades. It was never like, oh, you got an A, that's great. It was like, oh, you got a B, 
do better. And yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> and it's like, and media, like, they put so much emphasis on that type of person. But then if you see, like, in shows or movies, the kid who goes to, like, the free-for-all or, like, the hippie childhood care schools where they're, like... They farm and they garden and they're like every like have a talking stick to show your feelings or whatever. They get made fun of in media and it's like, no, that's probably I would honestly what rather we have be that. Doing. Yeah, like people should know how to express their feelings because people are horrible at that. We are horrible <laughs> at that. Brittany called me out on it the other day about the <laughs> fact that I don't show my feelings and don't know how to feel properly. And it's like, and it's because media and the pressure like they get bullied like you're weird you're hippie or like you're into you like rocks that's fucking weird like no like why not like rocks why like math like i don't understand like it should be the other way around and like in school i never realized that like how fucked up it was until i was out of school and i was like why were we treated like that? Why were we, like, why was that the... Like, I wish I went to a gardening, farm-raising hippie school. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I should have had a talking stick and learned how to, like, <laughs> express myself. Yeah. But instead, I'm an emotionally stunted 22-year-old With a drinks. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> With a podcast, yeah. I'm not mentally stable, and it's partially because of school. I think that's true for most people. Yeah, it's like, but yeah, now I have like a little pile of rocks on my dresser and like I'm living, <laughs> I actually do have a pile of rocks on my dresser. I got them from Bree's mom because Amy was like, Bree's mom gave me rocks. I was like, I want rocks. And then so I went in, so I was like, I went up to Bree's mom. I was like, can I have some rocks? She was like, sure, just go pick some out. Just don't take any of these. These are my favorites. I was like, okay. So I just got a whole handful of rocks and shoved them in my pocket and took them home. I was like, this is great. Rocks are awesome. Rocks are I awesome. I love rocks. But yeah, so like if you are struggling in school, just remember it's, it's, it's really not the end of the world. More rocks, less grades. Yeah, you, <laughs> That's why I was you will get through it. And like, I know a lot of people like, because I saw this one thing on TikTok where someone was like, I'm really glad that like, I've made it this far because in high school I was like, blah, blah, like something and it was like something like really trivial. And then people were like, you want me to take advice from someone whose biggest problem was this and you weren't even struggling with it. It was like something like that, like made sense. Like they were just like, Oh, high school gets better because even though, like, you're fighting with your friend over a boy, like, if you just, like, keep going and get through it, you'll be fine. Then people are like, I wish that was my biggest problem was that I was fighting with my friend over a boy. So if, like, you are in school, um, let me tell you this. As someone who the reason I didn't know what I was going to do with my life when I graduated was because I wasn't planning on making it that far it does get better. So just keep that in mind. I am old and I'm just winging it. And you know what? That's fine. It's fine. Everything is fine. Yeah, just (laughs) hold out and just don't let school get to you. School is not the end all be all. Trust me on that. You may think it is, but it's not. Yeah, no. Even though people try and tell you it is that if you don't do High school is the best years of your life. No, it's not. No, it ain't. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. It gets better. Things work out if you just don't kill people. 
Yeah, and that's our rant on this serial killer episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I don't know how we got here. I don't know either. We were talking about how school sucks, and so now it's not the end all be all. This became a got... motivational speech. <laughs> and then we got really introspective <laughs> and just things things got there. <laughs> Anyways, back to this fucker. Um <sighs> yeah. Don't feel too bad. He killed people. Yeah, I'm trying not to feel for him, but I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Like they say, feel bad for the kid, not the adult that murdered. Yeah. I don't actually know how what they actually phrase it like, but no, it's but somewhere along works. those lines. Yeah. So he tried to join the track team. He was very uncoordinated and accident prone, so he got very frustrated with being on the track team. And then with that and the constant bullying from his teammates, he decided to quit. He joined the yearbook team thinking that it was something he could find interest in and do really well in. Um, but almost immediately his camera was stolen, and at the end of the year rap party for the yearbook, cr- yearbook crew, he wasn't invited. Okay. As someone who went to school for photography, if you stole my fucking camera, goddamn, don't do that. Cameras are expensive as hell. Yeah. Like, his dad, Ben, spent a lot of money on that camera I'm for sure. him. And then like, it was stolen. Oh my god, that's... Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. I I do I feel bad for high school. That's very upsetting yeah, to I, me on a personal level. I feel bad for middle and high school Joel Rifkin, I do. But adult Joel Rifkin, <sighs> I do not feel bad for. But it only upset him and made him feel more isolated and out of place as it would. Yeah. He began to arrive at school late and be the last one to leave in order to avoid other students and spent all of his time closed off in his bedroom. And this is also where he would start to find comfort in other ways. Okay. This is the turn. <laughs> this is the turn. Okay. And for those of you, since this is an audio, um, with the word comfort, if you couldn't hear from the way I said it, I did put air quotes around the word comfort as well. He began to entertain himself with violent sexual fantasies that he had been fixated on for quite some time. That's where I was afraid we were going. Yeah. And, like, if you're into, like, the BDSM community or even have, like, violent fantasies, like, if that's your prerogative, that's your prerogative. That's fine as long as you are consenting and the other person is also consenting to that same thing. There are people who like violent or rough sex and if that's what they like that's fine we're still in a safe environment but it's the whole thing is bdsm is safe safe that's the whole point the the three words safe sane consensual yes and so if this is not to shame anyone who has those fantasies no. as long as you are sa- being safe about it and and the bdsm and it's community consensual. themselves are the biggest sticklers for that like yeah they will they will defend that like if they, like, make up, like, written contracts to yeah. be sure that you are consenting to everything. That's, like, that's why they were so upset with, uh, I think, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, because, because it wasn't. That they, was not BDSM. No. <laughs> that they, was It abuse. wasn't safe. It that was wasn't. Abuse. And they were like, you can't portray BDSM like this. Like, yeah. we are about being safe and yeah. consensual and making sure. And, like, that's why there are safe words in place. And that's why they have a color system. Like, they are very meticulous about making sure that both parties are able to explore that fantasy, but be safe about it. And so this, like, I feel bad, like, whenever I'm like, oh, yes, he had violent sexual. I'm like, if you do, 
if but if you're doing it in a safe way that like both parties are consenting, that's fine. Yeah, it's a completely this is, different thing. This is shaming him who was not being consent. Like he was like none of. And that's his, where the line is with the, a yeah. lot of these murderers. Yeah. Yes. And so then he also began to daydream about raping and stabbing women. Great. Then that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it didn't stop there. Of course. Of course. <laughs> He also became obsessed with serial killer books and got sexual satisfaction from Alfred Hitchcock's movie, Frenzy, especially where the women were being strangled. He continued to obsess and fantasize over those dark fantasies with a repetitive theme of rape, sadism, and murder. He relied on blending everything he saw or read into his own fantasies to get sexual satisfaction. Okay. And, like, if he just left it at that, just... Just for him to, like, be alone in his room. If it just left it at that, it'd be weird. But it, it, no one would have died. Yeah. So it would have been. Yeah. He did not leave it at that. So. After he graduated from high school, he enrolled at Nassau Community College in 1977. He was gifted a car by his parents for commuting. And he used that opportunity to start picking up sex workers. Which they were all called prostitutes. But I do prefer the word sex workers because. That's, they are sex workers. He would skip out on classes and barely showed up for his part-time jobs, choosing to spend his time with sex workers, but his hobby did drain him of any money he had, and he kept bouncing from school to school before dropping out in 1984. This news greatly disappointed his father, but he still had no idea about the other side of Joel Rifkin. Right. Because, like, he didn't know, like, where the money was going. He didn't know. He just knew that Joel wasn't going to class. Yeah. Okay. Um, in 1986, Ben Rifkin was diagnosed with cancer and committed suicide the following year. Oh, God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Joel gave a touching eulogy. Eulogy? Eulogy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really, he and his father didn't get along because Ben had wanted more for his son. And Joel was like... Gotcha. And Ben was like, I just want you to get an education and like do something with your life. And Joel was like... No. And also, he probably worked up that whole narrative, like, I'm letting him down yeah. to the point where he twisted it to be like, you never loved me yeah. or something. Yeah. But Joel did now realize that he could do more of what he wanted without worrying about being caught. Because even though he had his mother and his sister, he was less worried about them catching him. But he knew, like, if anyone was going to catch him, it was going to be his dad. Mm-hmm. So some daddy issues, for sure. Yeah. In the spring of 1989, Jeannie and Jen, his mother and sister, went on a vacation and he brought a sex worker named Susie and back to the house. And in 2013, thanks to DNA, it was discovered her true identity was that of Heidi Balk. Okay. So he brings Heidi back to the house and throughout her stay at the Rifkin home, she slept, did heroin, and slept more. This angered Rifkin because he had no interest in drugs. Okay. Then one night, completely unprovoked, even if it was provoked, he still had no right to do it, but just to make it even more frustrating, it was completely unprovoked. He attacked her with a howitzer artillery shell, beating her repeatedly before he suffocated and strangled her. After he was sure that Heidi was dead, he went to bed. Just went straight to bed. Great. Killed her, went to sleep. Right. When he woke up, he pulled out all of her teeth, scraped off her fingertips, 
so she couldn't be identified. And then he cut her into six pieces using an X-Acto knife, which he scattered across different parts of Long Island, New York City, and New Jersey. An X-Acto knife! Do you know what that is? No. Is it like a box cutter? No! Oh. Is it like a hunting knife? Hold on. Okay, yeah. An X-Acto knife is an art tool. It's this fucking big. Wait, what? This is an X-Acto knife! It is tiny as fuck! How do you do that? Morbidly! It's sharp as hell. Please, please, please don't. Be careful. It's sharp as hell. It's a, it's a tool. But it's for cutting, like, it's art. It, we use it in art. I used it in high school and college. Oh, wow. That's how big it is. And I didn't think you knew that, so I wanted to show you. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. I was picturing, like... That's why it, like, hit me so much harder. I was like... Oh my, my brain God. was like box cutter or hunting knife. It didn't, I didn't realize it was this. Like negative three times the size. He dismembered her in six pieces using this? She's yelling at Richard right now. A surgeon. No, just a psychopath. Yeah, I'm yelling at Richard. Sorry. <laughs> this Richard, is Richard's exacto knife, by the way. Yeah, Richard heard the word exacto knife, and before <laughs> Brittany even left the room, he had it ready. <laughs> like, yeah, I just, I wanted her to know, because um, a lot of people probably don't know if they just hear that term, if you're not in art, um, how big it is. Ooh. Oh! <laughs> it's very dangerous. Yeah, before she handed it to me, she was, be careful, because I'm not allowed, or I'm not trusted around sharp objects. So... We had a little chat and break, and Brittany went to go use the restroom, and I made us a second drink, and I came with an almost full bottle of vodka, and it's gone now. That's all of it. Yeah, like, I still don't know if I know this case, but the X-Acto knife really triggered me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah. But look how cute the little band is. It's like vodka for dog people, and it's certified gluten-free, which I don't really, I'm don't have celiac disease so I don't have to worry about gluten but does it like donate to dog shelters supporting pet prosperity and rescue oh good so yes yeah cheers Tito's for being good dog people vodka yeah we love animals on this podcast we are pro animal more than people yeah for sure <laughs> all right tell me more about this horrible person okay yes so yeah cut her into six pieces with the exacto knife which he scattered across Long Island New York City and New Jersey okay one on a, or not one, on a day that was a little too chilly for people to really be golfing, one man decided he still would. There's always one man. Because he golf. was, he was like, I'm, I want to golf, and by gosh darn it, I'm going to golf. <laughs> That's Was it a president? Probably how he sounded. <laughs> <laughs> and by a stroke of luck. A um, stroke of luck. That's, <laughs> I did that intentionally, right. but then I also had to put in parentheses, well, kind of for Heidi, um, but not for him because the trauma that would come from this discovery. I, yeah, I, I never want to discover a body. Um, he managed to slice his ball into an overgrown, which slice is like when you hit it and it like veers off to the left, I think. I think if it veers off to the right, it's a different word. But I think if it's slice, it means it veers off to the left. Like, it cuts really sharp okay. and goes to the left instead of going straight. It's a golf term. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so he sliced his ball into an overgrown area near hole seven. He discovered the severed head of Heidi in a paint can. Okay. He immediately called the police, um, but without teeth, 
and no body, they were unable to identify her. When Rifkin saw the head being found, he panicked and promised himself he would never kill again. Mm-hmm. And that promise lasted all of 16 months. Oh, okay. Yeah. In 1990, his mother and sister left town again. And Joel... Stop leaving town! <laughs> right! And Joel was like, oh yes, this is my time to sleep with another sex worker. So he invited Julia Blackbird back to his house. After their night together, he went to the ATM, but realized he had no money in his bank account. Just like a you problem, Joel. Yeah. Well, he was about to make it a her problem. (sighs) He went back to the house where Julia was waiting, thinking she was about to get her money, since, you know, that's her job. Um, But instead, she was beaten with a table leg before she was strangled to death. He dismembered her in the basement before putting her body parts in tubs filled with concrete and dumped them in the East River and Brooklyn Canal. Her body still hasn't been found. He opened his own landscaping company and began using his storage units to hide the bodies since he decided that dismembering them was too much work. Like, maybe just don't fucking kill them in the first place, and and then you wouldn't have any work to deal with. I mean, yeah, that, and also, an exacto knife would be a lot of fucking work. Jesus Christ. But his body count just kept growing. Most victims were rarely identified, and some never even found. It's like the one I did. Yeah. On June 28, 1993, Joel Rifkin was put into handcuffs after stumbling out of the truck he just crashed, if you remember from the Good, beginning. Yeah. Um, officer, off, officers <laughs> immediately noticed the horrific smell of a decaying body. Yeah, he had one in his car? Mm-hmm. After looking in the back of the truck, they found the decaying body of Tiffany Bresciani. Bresciani. It's Italian. Yeah. Um, she was another sex worker who had the misfortune of meeting Joel Rifkin while just trying to do her job, and he strangled her. Mm. He put her in the trunk of his mother's car and stopped at stores for rope and tarp on the way home. He moved her to his garage and kept her there for three days. Mind, it's June. So he kept her in the summer heat in the garage for three days. When he was caught, he calmly explained, he calmly and casually explained that she was a prostitute who he paid to have sex with, and things went wrong, so he strangled her, and he was on his way to the airport to dispose of her body. Casually. Casual. Yeah. He then just simply asked if he was going to need a lawyer. So he was like, oh, yeah, she was a prostitute who things went wrong, and, um, so then I killed her. Now I'm going to the airport to dispose of her body. Do I need a lawyer? Like, literally. That's the audacity. The audacity, right. I'm going to need another drink. <laughs> Why are you stuck to the fucking cup holder? Okay. Sarah, she likes you. What? Sarah, that's the character. Oh, from what? A game. My favorite game. Oh. She's what? a lesbian. Nice! If that helps. <laughs> <laughs> that does. That actually, the yap. We're girlfriends now. I love her. She's an archer. <laughs> cool. I love archers. That's why I like Artemis. She's my favorite. She's very Artemis-like. What game is that? Dragon Age. Oh, you talked about that. My favorite game. You'll have to make me play that on Twitch one day. Oh, there's three games. They're very long. Okay. But I will. Okay. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to make Richard play them, and he won't. Well, you've got me. I'll be your backup, Richard. Don't tell me that. I'll make you play them. I will play them with you. Okay, I'll judge you. That's fine. You judge me during everything else we do. I'm gonna go to Dragon Age rant. <laughs> I love Dragon Age because... If you start at the first game, your decisions will affect the other games. Oh, so it's another decision game? It's a decision game, but it carries through multiple games. And you're like, this is so fucking cool. You can build a world, basically. And you're like, 
That's fun. Oh my god, you have to make me play that. I'll do it any day. I okay. own all three of them on PC. We can stream them tonight. Like I, we have to work tomorrow. I love Dragon Age. We do have to work tomorrow, but it's Dragon Age. Yeah, but other than that, I like it. Definitely, we'll have to. And do you can that. like, and you can romance people. There's always like, there's all LGBTQ characters. Like you can romance anyone. Like it's great. Love it. Oh, that sounds exciting. Yeah, you can judge me like you do every day. So. Oh, I'll judge you hardcore because there are some tough decisions, and I'll just be like. <laughs> Well, if you make that sound, I'll know that I need to choose the other one. No, I'll do it after you do it. But I will judge you on some. And you can, like, oh, my God, you can totally fuck up the world. You can change. It's great. I love it. You can rule by your heart or you can rule by your head. Like, you can go straight on emotion. Like, I love this character. They can do no wrong. And you can be like, fuck you. Get away. Die. Like, you can kill people (laughs) who show up in later games if you let them live. And it's, like, so cool. That's cool. I love this game. It's my favorite game. If you've checked out our podcast, (laughs) or what did you title it? Podcast Host Play Little Hope or something? something Yeah, so if you like that series, check out Podcast Host Play Dragon Age. That'll be coming. I'll make a whole sip that's been YouTube if you want to play Dragon Age. Like, it's fine. We should should do that. (laughs) I love Dragon Age. And you can just make me play video games and I'll suck at them and you can judge me. That's fine. And you can play with us. And we can do the. I haven't watched the videos you played with Richard on the This Takes Two, but we can do that too. It's so cute. Yeah, we we can do that too. I played again. It was a cute, fun game. It was really quick. We played it in like 30 streams, four streams. Nice. Yeah. I saw those videos pop up, and so I was like, I need to watch those, but I just haven't found time because I was watching anime, so. Yeah. But yeah. So check out. We're going to make a Sip and Spin YouTube, and just. It might be Twitch. Who knows? Brittany's just going to judge me, and it'll be fine. It'll be fun. Yeah. I like judging people. Yeah, she's very good at it. Mm-hmm. She's Scorpio. It's a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> I always, like, take digs at you for being a Scorpio. I'll be like, it's because she's a Scorpio. But, like, really, I love Scorpios. I, like, they're one of my favorite signs. Also, the thing about Scorpios is that we're like, we're like, yeah, I'm Scorpio. Yeah. But, like, what are you going to do about it? Scorpios are literally one of my favorite signs. Like, Leos, Virgos, Aquari- <laughs> other Aquariuses, and Scorpios. I'm like, you guys, I would die for you. And Brittany... <laughs> and Brittany's like, die. Brittany's like, you will. <laughs> do it. It's Fine. me. I would die for Scorpios. Brittany, you will. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make a meme out of that with all the other ones. Do it. Like right now? No, but let's finish this. Okay. <laughs> uh, we can do it at the end. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know how, right now. I don't know how much longer your case is. It's already been an hour and a half. Yeah, it's it's it, there's a lot more. Okay. Um, so yeah. A search of his bedroom and his mother's home turned up a mountain of evidence against Rifkin, including driver's licenses, clothing and accessories, prescription drug bottles, and photographs of women. Many of these items could be matched to the victims of the unsolved murders. They also found his collection of books about serial killers and porn movies centered on on sadism. In the garage, they found three ounces of human blood in a wheelbarrow, tools coated in blood, and a chainsaw that had blood and human flesh stuck in the blades. Great. After homicide detectives interrogated him, he recounted 17 killings, providing names and drawing a map to the unrecovered bodies. Oh, this is exactly like the person I covered. Oh my god. He did I don't well. like that. No, he's not a he's not a great dude. I don't like that and at this all. sucks. 
He didn't remember everything, but 15 of the 17 victims were identified, but he was only able to be charged with nine. Why? I just, because even though there was a confession, I think they needed more evidence to be able to actually. Is it a plea deal or something? He tried to at one point. He did did at one point. He tried to, and then it didn't work, and then so he did take, or he didn't take one, thought he could get a different thing. It didn't work, so then he took a plea deal. But, like, you'll see. I'll, I'll get okay. into that. Okay. I mean, it happens all the time. I don't know why I'm surprised and disgusted. But. So, his mother hired him a lawyer. Oh, Mom. He fired the lawyer his mother got him and hired two new lawyers and kept pleading not guilty, believing they could get him an insanity plea. And his lawyer, Shoznik, tried to get his confession suppressed. So, there was a su- suppression trial where they were like... We want to get his confession suppressed. That should not be brought up to the jury. So they had a separate trial for that. But Shoznik pissed off the judge by showing up late or not at all and being unprepared and disorganized. So the judge rejected the appeal and ordered the official trial to begin in April. Good. He was like, yeah, no, like you're not, the confession is there. It's not getting suppressed. Yeah, Um, usually I'm pissed at the judges, but good, good. So far, two of my three true crime cases have had good judges. Like the Gabriel Fernandez, that was a good judge. This, a good judge. The judge in the first case with the Logan County stuff, that was not a good judge. No. So then Rifkin fired Shoznik, but kept his other lawyer, Lawrence, even though that was Lawrence's first murder trial. I mean, yikes, but good. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, On April 11th, 1994, the trial began in uh, Nassau County for the murder of Tiffany. Okay. And Rifkin pleaded not guilty. This was the one in his truck. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, this trial, this is the this is happening in the courthouse he crashed in front of when they right. found the body. Yes. He pleaded not guilty on the grounds of temporary insanity. The jury found him guilty, so he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Right, even though he calmly was like, do I need a lawyer? He was trying to get in Okay. The audacity. Yeah, <laughs> like, there was no way he was getting an insanity. But, like, he, he took out their teeth cut off their fingertips so they couldn't be identified. Like, he did everything clinically. 17 and, women. Yeah. There was no way he was getting insanity. But he tried. But the jury was like, eh, no. So then he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. That's it? Okay. Okay. She held up a finger. His next trial was in Suffolk County for the murders of Evans and Marquette, two other sex workers. We'll, we'll get to the victims later. I'm going to go through a list of the victims and like how he killed them and who they were, but I wanted to get his shit out of the way yeah, I get that. so I could focus on the victims and like what happened same. to them. Yeah. What happened to them? Even though you haven't heard of Evans and Marquez yet, like but no, serial killers are tough. Like, I get that. Yeah. Um so he tried to have his confession suppressed there. Um, but it was denied once more. This time, he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to two consecutive sentences of 25 years for each. So that's 75 years right now. Okay. He's got that racked up. Because what happened was he killed them in different counties, or they were from different counties, or their bodies were found in different counties. So okay. they had to have all these different trials. Yeah. Okay, because okay. of the, like, jurisdiction laws and what I get that. And so, so even though it was like, yes, he killed 17 women... In Nassau, he could only be charged for the one, so they couldn't, like, pay attention to the fact that he killed 17 people, so they could only charge him for the one, which was only going to be 25 years. Then when he went to Suffolk County, it was two, so then he got 50 years. Yes, and that can be good and bad, and I get that, but I just feel like 
If you're a serial killer, it should just be bad all the way around. Yeah. It shouldn't have to be split up, but that's a whole other justice system thing. Yeah. So, the same thing happened in Queens and in Brooklyn. And by the time it was all over, Rifkin became known as New York's most prolific serial killer and one of the most prolific serial killers in the nation. He was convicted of nine murders and received a total of 203 years in prison without the possibility of parole. Although he will be eligible for parole in 2197. Okay. Which he will then be 238 years old. So, okay. he won't be eligible for parole in his lifetime. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. That makes me feel better. Yeah, okay. so, like, there's, he w- literally won't be eligible for parole until he's 238. Great. Which he's not going to live that long, because no one lives that long. Let's hope that. Um, so, yes, now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, I want to put some focus on the victims. They were all sex workers, so, of course, they're considered less than people, but they are people, and their names deserve to be said. And it's still going to be sad because I'm also going to kind of talk about how he killed and disposed of them because everything he did was horrific. And I do have like a little side note that even though the reason he like removed their teeth and fingertips was to was so it would be harder to identify them. And if it was if they couldn't identify them, it would be harder for him to be caught. Um, I personally think that part of him didn't even think they had an identity to begin with to be able to take away I think that's anyone who goes after sex workers. Yeah, it's like, to be able to take away their identity that easily and just be like, oh yeah, it's just part of it. The Alaskan butcher biker that I covered, like, that was him, like, his thinking. He was like, you're not a real person. It's fine. Like, it's... And that's how I think his was. Like, I, I really do believe that part of him didn't think they had an identity to begin with, which is what made it so easy for him to do. So gross. So... We have Barbara Jacobs, who was 31, and she was killed on July 14th, 1991. Her body was found inside a plastic bag that had been placed into a cardboard box and put into the Hudson River. Mary Ellen DeLuca, age 22, was killed on September 1st, 1991, because she complained about having sex after Rifkin bought her crack cocaine. 22? Yeah, she was 22. Baby. Yoon Lee was 31. She was killed on September 23rd, 1991. She was strangled to death and her body was put into the East River. Then there was Jane Doe 1, who was killed in early December of 1991. Rifkin strangled her during sex, put her body into a 55-gallon oil drum, and dumped it into the East River. Lorraine Orvieto, age 28. She was like her workstation. What a workstation? Like area? Yeah, work area. It was in Bayshore, Long Island. Okay. Um, I just wasn't sure what to call it. I was like... I mean, I'm not sure, but I, I do what you mean. Yeah. Um, so she was in Bayshore, Long Island when Rifkin picked her up and strangled her during sex. He disposed of her body by placing it into an oil drum and into Coney Island River, where it was discovered months later. Mary Ann Holloman, 39, was killed on January 2nd, 1992. Her body was found the following July, stuffed inside an oil drum in Coney Island Creek. Iris Sanchez, age 25, was killed on Mother's Day weekend, May 10th, 1992. 
Rifkin put her body under an old mattress in an illegal dump area located near the JFK International Airport. Anna Lopez, age 33 and mother of three children, was strangled to death on May 25, 1992. Rifkin disposed of her body along I-84 in Putnam County. Jane Doe, too, was murdered mid-winter 1991. On May 13, 1992, parts of her body were found inside an oil drum floated in Newton Creek in Brooklyn, New York. Violet O'Neill, age 21, was killed on, in June 1992 at Rifkin's mother's home. There, he dismembered her in the bathtub, wrapped the body parts in plastic, and disposed of them in rivers and canals in New York City. Her, ter her torso was found floating in the Hudson River, and days later, other body parts were found inside of a suitcase. Mary Catherine Williams, age 31, was killed at Rifkin's mother's home on October 2nd, 1992. Her remains were found in Yorktown, New York the following December. Jenny Soto, 23, was strangled to death on November 16th, 1992. Her body was found the following day floating in Harlem River in New York City. Leah Evans, 28, the, and the mother of two children, was killed on February 27th, 1993. Rifkin buried the corpse in the woods along Lon Long Island. Her body was discovered three months later. Lauren Marquez, 28, was killed on April 2nd, 1993. Her body was left in the Pine Barrens in Suffolk, in Suffolk County, New York, on Long Island. And then Tiffany Bresciani, 22, was Joel Rifkin's final victim. On June 24th, 1993, he strangled her and put her body in her mother's garage for three days before getting the opportunity to dispose of it. Yikes. So those were all of his victims. Yes. And it's Poor horrific. Girls. Joel Rifkin was a sick asshole. And these women were just amazing women who just happened to be sex workers. And were, and some were more down on their luck than others and turning to drugs. But they were still living, breathing people with a heart and soul just trying to make an income. Which they should be able to do safely and not have to worry that one of their clients is going to do something horrific like that to them, sex workers are still people. And I cannot stress that enough. We've talked about it in other true crime cases. We've talked about it before. Sex workers are still people. Yes, and I just, every time, more and more we get true crime, and I'm just like, and then the more you hear about it, yes, children get murdered all the time, but the ones we continually pick, it's women my age. And I'm like, yeah, the... There were, like, people who were your age and then the 21 and 22-year-olds, and I'm just like... And current events. It's women our age, and it's just living their life, doing their best. And we're just like, why? What are we supposed to do? I don't understand. It's so bad. Like, on the way here, I had, like, an encounter that I was like, please don't come near me anymore. Because it's just like... It's it's constantly happening to women everywhere. Nothing women has cannot. Better. Women can't, and women should be allowed to go out and do things, and without having to worry that something bad is going to happen to them because men think they have a right to do whatever they want, which they don't, and it's just it pisses me off. We've said it multiple times. The world has said it multiple times. I am now on the side of TikTok where I see all of these. Beautiful, young, my age, older women filming men, harassing them. And it's just like, this shouldn't be a thing. And people are like, yeah, why is this a thing? And the question is, yes, why is this a fucking thing? We're all human. It's very frustrating. It is very frustrating. And it just bothers me, especially for sex workers. Because they have it, 
like all women have it bad, but sex workers have it the worst. Just because they are making an income from their body, men think they have a right to it to do whatever they want. And that's not the case. Women who are sex workers have a right to bodily autonomy. They're, they are selling their bodies because they want to, because that's how they make their, or even if they, or it's the only way that they can. And if it's one or the other, it doesn't matter. They still don't deserve to be treated as less than just because they're selling their bodies for sex or for money or for pictures or for whatever. They're still people. They're still fucking people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I... But like I said, it's, it's not just sex worker. It's all women. But, and I get that men too also have to go through like there are men who are sexually assaulted as well. But, every day. Ev- yes. Yes. And that's not to put any less importance on men who are being sexually assaulted but but statistically the murders are mostly women yeah and we all need to be aware it's just like going to a gas station at 5 p.m and shouldn't be a problem being in line to get your thing and then like a group of men walk in and turn to you and are like how are you and then get mad when i just Pretend I didn't hear them. I don't want to have to talk to three men who all walked in together to ask me how I'm doing. I don't care. Like, it's just, ugh. Yeah. It's 2021. It shouldn't be a thing. It still fucking is. And it's just, it sucks. And it's frustrating. And it shouldn't matter if you're a sex worker. If you're a CEO. Like, all of those women get murdered too. Like, I don't. Yeah. There's no distinction. People who like accuse women in higher powers of sleeping their way to the top, but don't get mad at the men who are only allowing them to progress if they sleep with them. Yeah. Like my favorite thing is like, Oh, you slept your way to the top. And it's like, cool. I'm still going to murder you. But it's also like, Oh, you're a sex worker. You're not a person. I'm going to murder you. It's like, it, it doesn't matter because we're women. <laughs> and yes, men still get tortured. They still get murdered for being men, but it's, so much more statistically evident with women and it is a problem <laughs> yeah like because like i said like yes men have been assaulted by women and other men and men do get sexually assaulted i mean but it does happen to women more which is why we put focus on it especially because we are women who have been in those situations both of us have yeah which is why we put more focus on that but it's not to diminish men who have been sexually assaulted if you are a man who has been sexually assaulted we stand with you we are sorry that happened we We know what it's like we hear you we're here for you as well the world sucks everything sucks people suck everything is awful (laughs) at least we're done (laughs) are we are you okay dead yeah i'm done okay everything is awful i just want to get a dragon age (laughs) It's only 753. At least I can, can control that world. It's only 753. <laughs> we could play one. <laughs> if you want to. Get us some cheer up. We'll figure it out. We'll Absolutely. figure it out. There will be more content coming. We're sorry for this episode. Yeah, we're really sorry. It just... If we could just, like, spin a happy episode. You know what? Yell at our wheel. Our wheel hates us. Yeah. We're about to erase true crime. I just... It's, it's gonna go. <laughs> it's gonna turn to Listen, anime. If we spin this wheel and we get true crime again, we're re fucking spinning it. I'm just saying that now. True crime is horrible. True crime shouldn't be a thing. People should be better, but people suck. 
Are you ready? I've got the drink wheel ready. Do you want to spin for our topic? I really don't, but I will. <laughs> All right. Okay, so spun both wheels. What is our drink? Skylar's Choice, again, which I hate making decisions, so this will be fun. So it'll be fun for everyone. Do you have an idea, or do you want to wait? Can we do, like, a pitcher of lemon drops? Yeah, if you have a recipe. Yeah. yeah. Or I can find one. Doesn't yeah. matter. Well, I just know that you'd probably be the better one to, like, make a whole pitcher. Um, I, I've got I got pitchers, yeah. So I can do. find, like, a recipe for the lemon drop, and you can, like change it to like a pitcher size so then that way you don't have to worry about like making individual drinks over and over again yeah we can do that um so yeah we're gonna drink lemon drops next week it's more vodka <laughs> so but because that's what's in a lemon drop is vodka we can tweak it <laughs> what <laughs> no you're right <laughs> and we also got another repeat not necessarily bad no this could be fun so we also got um creatives slash creators which we have gotten before and we did we did a music youtube personality and like an artist comic personality we did rachel smythe who did laura olympus and also corpse husband who i sent for really hardcore so i don't know if i'm going to be able to find someone i sent for as hard yeah i kind of sent for rachel it's fine um, Maybe I can do Sakuno because I sent for Sakuno pretty hard too. This one, it's not bad, but it is tripping me up because I'm like, I don't know who I want to do. <laughs> so I, we will try to do our best with whoever we get. But either way, they are someone who is probably really cool, doing great things, doing cool things, and you should check out. Where can they find us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, you can find us at Sip and Spin Pod. On Twitter and Instagram, or email us at sipandspinpod at gmail.com. You can find you at GleamYKS on all social media. Follow me on TikTok. I am going to make TikToks. I made five already. So you can follow me there at GleamYKS. Literally, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, all of it, GleamYKS. Mm-hmm. You can find Brittany at... Whimsy Dreams or Dreams. All of our link trees will be in the show notes. Yeah, I'm not okay right now. Why are you not okay? Skylar is stressing me. Why am I stressing you out? Everything's fine. Skylar's gonna pick another drink. We're gonna talk about a creator or a creative, and we're gonna sip with you next time, and it's gonna be fine. I'm not even gonna roast her for saying that because I kind of took over the end of the podcast, so she gets she gets a pass this time. Bye. We'll sip with you next time. Ah!